As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. What music do you want, Phil? Regular or Champions Cup? Oh, Champions Cup. Oh, come on then. You've been working from home, but your flatmate just took up the drums as a hobby. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. And Indeed CV helps you personalise your job search. And even helps the right job find you. <laughs> Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Why am I talking over this incredible music? Let's just enjoy it. Very, very cool music. Very cool competition. Still just about... And some big games will obviously form part of this podcast. Uh, we're here in the Rugby Dungeon. I'm Tim with JB. Hello, Tim. Barefooted and ready for OnlyFans. Indeed I am. I'm Phil. Hello, Tim. He's wearing uh, trainers with incredibly... I'm just looking at the amount of tread going on. It's incredible good... tread. Ooh, good tread. Good yeah. tread. Uh, the opposite of JB. How are you, gents? You all right? Very well. Very well, thank you. Good. Oh. We've we got loads to cover on this podcast, uh, both uh, on the field, off the field... Uh, emails um, emails not done emails for ages yeah. or Patreon pod for ages Co- contact headchasers at gmail.com or, or may- I'm sure you'll have you might have some spicy stuff we can get into on a Patreon pod oh maybe let's do that patreon.com slash headchasers is where we are <clears throat> um, where do you want to start? Oh, Hanning Cup has to be Hanning Cup only show in town just add that music I'm yeah. pumped oh yeah I'm ready to go yeah so good um, and you were, you were there Tim you were in Dublin, yeah, I was felt very, very, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold very, very privileged to be. You don't there. want to start with witness on on Friday night, yeah, yeah. Happily start. Actually, that's a good place to start <laughs> with witness on Friday night. Final game of the season um, for Broughton, Raffy Quirks, Broughton Park under 15s. Did you did you know that you're not allowed to play rugby after it, after, after the summer. month of April? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to stop <laughs> after summer. Yeah, first of July. First of July. Is <laughs> I over. didn't realize you had to stop. Yeah, because all the games have got to be concluded to make sure that. All the league tables can be sorted out and 
you know, cup games are done and all that sort of stuff. Oh, we just got lads that just were like, oh, can we have some more games? Can we play some more? Can we play some more teams? Can we do so? And they were like, no, you're not allowed. I'm sure, I'm sure someone's taking out of contacts because obviously have touring clubs and all sorts. Yeah, they, that's what I thought. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. I think our club are quite pedantic and they, they just seem to have decided that, no, you're not allowed to, but it's I don't ridiculous. know. ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, uh, went to witness, very good team. Yeah, um, good club. Who, uh, yeah. Is one of those things, and I, uh, this is a bridge we're going to have to cross next season, I think, when they move into under-16s. We've got a massive squad. So we, we've got one lad who's never played rugby before and he played his first game on, on Friday night. Ooh. Uh, That's not a place where you, where you want to play your first game either. No, no, not particularly. Um, but we've got, just got a big squad and we've had the kind of... The, the principle that you, you turn up and train and they turn up for the game, you get half a game. Mm. Um, so we, we were we were seven all with our two first teams going head to head, and then they, they they. Why don't you have a second team? We, we, you need well, to make the leap from two to from one to two teams. You need we've got about thirty guys. Yeah. You need yeah. about forty five guys. Yeah, you so we need pushing mm, fifty guys. Don't yeah. so, really. Okay, so the interesting dilemma you have is basically the opposite dilemma to all the other age grade teams because Didsbury under sixteens next year will be merging with Manchester. Um, obviously, you're merged with Didsbury and Broughton Park. We had three Didsbury lads came to play with us. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's not a merger. That's a merger. Oh, right. <laughs> it's a hostile takeover. Hostile yeah, yeah. takeover. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you, you've got a situation there where you've uh, yeah. Okay. So you've actually always solved it. I was going to say maybe demerging de- some teams, but if you've only got three lads, it doesn't really matter. No, I think we're just going to have development fixtures and first team fixtures and kind of do it like that because both the, the both the better players aren't getting enough time on the pitch together to develop and and the the weaker players are getting exposed in games like witness on Friday when seven all when they were going head to head and then we made all our changes and they Could won your better players 20, play up an age an age level uh, are, you, are you allowed to you, uh, probably not now uh, I don't know that you are no sure, oh, you when, s- when you get to Colts you are Oh, yeah, because yeah, you have well, you have junior and senior cults, and yeah. then the senior spans like a two-year, yeah, seventeens and eighteens. So a- anyway, anyway, it was great, but there was one thing. So uh, just to re- just to make the point that we have definitely reached peak mullet in rugby. <laughs> a bunch of our boys have mullets, and, and one of our lads, uh, our twelve, scored a really good try. And I heard that we heard, heard their coach behind the posts gather his team together and go, "What have I told you, lads?" The ones with the stupid haircuts are going to be good, so just tackle them. <laughs> true, it's true. True. Well, you've got you've got to be good because if you're not good with a stupid haircut or wearing the flash boots, yeah, wearing the I was going to say boots, it's the new flash boots. You've got to be good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was Friday night, and then Saturday morning went to Dublin, um, and I f- yeah, I felt really privileged to be there. A, a brilliant mm. atmosphere. Um, despite EPCR's attempts to sabotage what could have been a great atmosphere. Just, Sorry, tell me about this. The, the ticket pricing was just a little bit over the top. That, so, well, what was it? Well, uh, the the initial batch of tickets got sold, and I think they were at a slightly lower price than the rest of them, but most of the tickets were 75 quid. No child concession price. Mm, that's mm. interesting. And, and they still managed to sell 46,000. I was going to say, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a sellout, though, was it? Wasn't it wasn't a sellout. It they were, about, they were nearly, the nearly 10,000 short of a sellout, but that's pretty good going. Um, you know, the, the flip side of that is they, they haven't had to travel anywhere, so that most of those fans, so... Mm, so, look, mm. I think... It's a tough one. When you've got, like, the Premiership Cup, by all means, ram it full of kids and get them excited, because they, they, they don't know if they are watching the third-choice Academy Scrum Half or 
whoever else it is. They just don't know. They're just happy to be there and the kits look the same and, and whatnot. This is adult rugby now. Yeah. You know, this is big boy rugby. You pay your money. It's an event. It should be expensive. Yeah, I guess so. I yeah. guess so. But yeah. the fact it wasn't a sellout means maybe they didn't quite, they pitched it a little bit too much. Too high, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the atmosphere nonetheless was was brilliant. I was just disappointed. I was thinking this this could be a, a classic. It wasn't there, was it really? No, it wasn't. It, it really wasn't. It wasn't at all. It was being built, like, it was all being talked up, the two titans of the um, Champions Cup. And it wasn't. Now, I feel bad. And I, I just want to excuse Craig Doyle. I gave him basically the opening line. I, I, I said to Craig, <laughs> Craig, the way we sell this game, not sell it, but the way the the, the, the fact of this game it? is, and this was his opening link. It was almost verbatim what I said to him. He, he went, yeah, yeah. He, he, um, was this could be the greatest game of club rugby ever? It's the world number one and world number two teams with a, a huge amount of those players playing yeah. in these two club sides. The world's best player in Antoine Dupont. Mm. Um, the two most decorated clubs in European rugby history. And uh, yeah, and it just didn't live up to that billing at all, yeah. unfortunately. Now, now, how much of it was the fact that Leinster are just evidently a significantly stronger team than Toulouse? And how much of it were things that kind of went wrong for Toulouse on the pitch? Because there was a couple of significant ones. Um, when the 13 goes off injured and you've Barassi. got a 6-2 split yeah. and so DuPont has to move to 10 Entomac has to move into the centres that totally disrupted things mm. and combine that like the total disruption of the back line and moving the world's best player into a position where he, he's comfortable but not this level and he's not the world's best player in that position is he? exactly yeah. yeah yeah he didn't have as much time on the ball combine that with the two yellow cards which happened at bad times for Toulouse and were ruthlessly exploited by Leinster. Yeah. It I do feel that had those things all not happened, it would have been a better arm wrestle. I still think Leinster would have won, seeing what we saw of the teams, but and I, I think they that was quite I, a big I would add to that two glaring yellow cards for Leinster were not given any Porter. time. Andrew Porter's lift beyond the horizontal in a tackle in the first half. Off the ball as well. Just before the yeah. Mayafu try. Foul play doesn't because uh, some people were saying, oh, we scored the try, though, so there's no yellow card. No, that's not how it works. Foul play is foul play. <clears throat> and so, I was a bit surprised they didn't go so back So that, that, that should have been dealt with. And and also, I th- I don't think... Uh, I, I'm not defending Netty for his yellow card. Uh, his behaviour, I think that was it probably warranted it. But Josh van der Fleer is not blameless, and I think he deserved a yellow card. Yeah. Mm. One thing Lens... I, I could see that being a yellow card as well. Yeah. One thing Lens did very well, I thought, was... Um, Make sure Jack Willis didn't get anywhere near the ball. He had maybe one turnover. Yeah, very, a couple very of good quiet. strong runs. One clear out from James Ryan on Jack Willis. Did you see that one in the first half? Oh my I'm, goodness! I'm not sure I did. I must he ragdolled him, <laughs> and, and that's one player. And I think James uh, James Ryan is probably what I would to uh, one person I would use to answer your question about mm. was this Leinster being that good? I think they are significantly better than last year when it was a similar scoreline, forty points to seven. Um, so you could sort of say, oh, it's sort of similar from last season to this season. But I think Leinster are significantly better than last year. And James Ryan is a case in point. He has gone from being mm. so, a second row that you go, is he a little bit lightweight, not mm. quite top, top elite level, to I think he's the, the best in the in Great Britain and Northern Ireland well, and, and the Republic of Ireland combined. He'd be a Lions starting second row. Well, that's what we thought, so, thought before the Lions. And it, I was just about to say, his career trajectory, when he burst onto the scene, 
he was top top for the Lions and then he had injuries he had a few concussion issues as well and he dropped down for a couple of years and now he does seem to be to have picked up his initial trajectory so mm-hmm. shall we say that yes but the, the Lions question is an interesting one because I was looking at this Leinster team thinking how many of this get into the starting Lions pack or even a, a match day 23 just just in the pack Porter Sheehan Furlong Ryan. The front row is definitely yeah, the 23. Van, Van der Fleer. Yeah, Ryan's in there. Van der Fleer and Dol- Doris are in and there. And Doris. So six. Or f- uh, six. Uh, six. Six are in the 23, definitely. Maybe even in the starting side. Yeah. And then Conan, who made the Lions tall last time. Yeah. And, and he's in third test. He's yeah. brilliantly. So you could even have... Seven. <laughs> six or seven. Maybe seven, because you, you probably... You'd make an argument. And if, if Tyke Byrne was fit and firing, maybe him as well. Uh, is Tyburn Munster? Oh no, sorry, Munster. Munster. Yeah, sorry, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking of the Ireland team. Sorry, <laughs> yes. but yes, you would be right. He no, would but, be a lion. The, the trajectory he would of be a lion. The, sorry, yeah, you're right. The trajectory of Ryan Baird, yeah, could demand that by 2025 he is in the mix as well. I yeah. love him, and he so, is like a uh, Tyburn type of player as well. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things about the Highland Cup, which I've always defended it for, is it gives us an indication of what works. So. Is it the enormous amounts of money that Toulouse spend that work? Well, not today. Is it the resting of the of the Leinster players and the Irish care and welfare policies? Mm. Well, not for the last 11 years it hasn't been. Or oh, one of the last 11 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of the last 11 years it has, but you know, otherwise not, not that. Is it you know the fact that the Premiership has to focus so much more on coaching and you know playing to a certain, certain strength? Well, some years it is, some years it isn't. It does feel like this year... It might be the things that Leinster are doing that are going to go right. Oh, well, what do you identify that Leinster are doing? What would you put your finger just, on there that they're doing that other teams well, aren't? I'm just sort of, I'm just sort of thinking about this now, because they've not created this team, um, which you see in front of you, by buying these lads. I mean, all the lads you just named in that starting Lions pack, well, they're just there. They just exist in Leinster colours. They've always been Leinster, and they're there. So many, many of them have been. Black, Blackrock then Leinster yeah and that's quite incredible actually to do that so I don't know is the answer I, I, I don't know what they're doing there I think what we're seeing this season is and I, I, I put it down to well I put it down to a lot of things it's one the investment and are you listening the RFU when I say this it's the investment that Irish rugby has put into coaching at grassroots level, right through to elite level, for mm. a significant amount of time. You mentioned Blackrock then, Phil. The, the schools, the coaches at schools are exceptional. So you get players coming out into the Leinster Academy ready to play first-team rugby. Yeah, it's still a little bit retrograde, though, do you, do you not think? So we have this situation in England where there's no choice about it. The private schools in England provide an amazing sort of... Um, like nursery for these mm. developing players. Mm. But even so, you listen to what Eddie Jones says. He's like, well, no, no, the private school system here is what's holding England back. Well, the private school system in England is like islands, but much, much bigger and with much more money in it. So, like, mm, but, but why pl- is there di- why players is different? Aren't, players to the same degree are <clears throat> not coming out of school ready to play first-team rugby at that level, whereas they are at Leinster. Yeah, I is, just, that, is, that the, is that a school thing or is it an academy thing? Or is it a Blackrock thing? It might be, I don't really know. It, it might Maybe all of those things. But the point, one thing, I, and I spoke to Gordon Darcy about this when I worked mm. with him years ago, and he said it was about five, six years ago working on a Leinster game, and he was saying the amount of money they spend on coaching coaches 
I bet. He's mm. massive. And whereas what did what did England do five or six years ago, around the time when Gordon Darcy was talking about this for Ireland, they culled all the development officers. Yeah, so I don't know. There's just so many different things. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I just don't see the, the grassroots game in England as the key driver of providing professional rugby players. And not only do I not see it as that, I think it's going to get further and further away because the culture and the, the things that they want in clubs from the RFU centrally, and probably when they have these coaches too, is so different from being a professional rugby player. So the demands of professional rugby could only really be met by the insular nature of a private school who don't mind saying things like, go and, like, go and smash each other, go and be violent, go and be, go and be aggressive. Go and do weights four times a week. Go and do weights four times a week. And you just don't... You know, when you've got community, centrally contracted community coaches who've got to... You oh, know, no, and that's do you see not, what I mean? That's, yeah, no, I do, I do. But the, they the, just don't the, have the investment in making sure the coaches, who, wherever they appear, who have contact with these young men, mm. um, I give them a great grounding so they've got basic skills. But the other thing I was going to say, so that's coaches at the ba- base yeah. level, but then coaches at the top level, Leinster have had a brilliant coaching ticket for a while now, and I think this is Stuart Lancaster. I think that's what I we're... I think Well, the way, the way Leinster are playing, the, the speed at which they execute... The, the moves that they do, the identification of when things are on. It's not just that they attack the blind side a lot, which they did against Toulouse to mm. great effect and they have done all season. It's the understanding of when to do it and how to do it. And and just to, just that execution at high speed, in high pressure, making good decisions, I think can only be the consequence of v- players with very good skills and understanding and an incredible coaching team. Or a coaching team which just lets them get on with it. I mean, so one of, the, one of the dichotomies of coaching, I guess, is like the decentralised thing, which is allowing the players just to go and make their own decisions, which is great when you've got Leinster, but it might be terrible if you've got, if you've got to coach idiots like me. Do, 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 like, do you see what I mean? But, but, Knowing when to coach and when yeah, not when to do you coach. coach. When do you but not all coach? all the different running angles and running lines and the shapes, that's, that's not guys just making it up on the hoof. No. It doesn't look like it to me. No. And I, no, there'll, there'll be a mixture, won't there? But well, I, you know, I don't know. On, on the decision-making thing... There's there's pre-planned decision-making, which generally comes from the coaches, and there's on-the-fly decision-making. Yeah, right. And I think some of the pre-planned decision-making in this game was really interesting because Leinster had a clear strategy to kick for the kick goals until Toulouse were a man down. As soon as they were a man down, they flipped to the corner and executed perfectly and got, well, three tries, two and a disallowed try yeah. on the first yellow card, but then scored a minute later, yeah. and then it was two again, yeah. and... 28 points with a man A few in minutes bin. later, yeah, which which made it 126 points in the Champions Cup this year, while the opposition have had yellow cards. Yeah. So if, ruthless, if, La, if La Rochelle are looking for kind of one strategy, do not get any yellow cards. <laughs> you not. cannot afford yellow well, cards. That's the flip side, is, is looking at what Toulouse did, and um, then thinking about what La Rochelle will have to do to win and I think Toulouse made some obviously stupid uh, discipline decisions Mm -hmm. which is just individuals yeah which is not just the yellow cards like uh, a great example um, the wing one of the wingers I can't remember if it was LaBelle or Malia um, taking out the score so game's already over at this point but Leinster have a rook five metres from Toulouse's line just take out the scrum half when he's He's got hands on the ball, but the ball's not picked up. Penalty, they go again and score. Things like that are just... They're going to be so annoying for a coach because it's just dull, stupid. I mean, there's loads of 
bad decisions by Toulouse that gave Leinster either points or Field territory. Position, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they thought, uh, and I thought the, the mall, which Ulster actually have used really well against Leinster this season, and a couple of teams have, a couple of South African teams have, I thought the mall was going to be a massive weapon for Toulouse, but Leinster just neutralised that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got a little bit of change every now and again out of some big men running hard, but actually Leinster neutralised that. That, mm. yeah, they didn't do the, enough of that. The tries, certainly the first two tries in the first half, that the ones that really counted, um, they came from when they eventually got big men running hard and in just enough forward momentum to bend the line and then started getting the offloads in. And that becomes, that, that's what La Rochelle did incredibly well to a much greater effect yeah. against Exeter. You're right. That is what is I'm really looking, hard. I think La Rochelle... And I said to lose battle Leinster. Didn't quite work out. <laughs> Not yet. La Rochelle will battle Leinster. <laughs> Here we go. La Rochelle will battle Leinster. I can't La- wait. La Rochelle, in this game, in the games this weekend, La Rochelle looked like a much better side than Toulouse, but they were playing much weaker opposition. Yeah, but I tell you what, though. I mean, we'll talk about these guys in more detail in a second. The scrummaging was frightening. There's no other word for it. Like, that La Rochelle scrum is one of the most dangerous things I've ever seen. Like, the first the first scrum of the game, I thought, that is actually unsafe. And I, I don't often think many things are unsafe. It was unsafe. The Awinian... What's his name? Awinian Antonio, Borgerit, yeah. and Wardy. Wardy. But, but, but with Skelton. Skelton putting Skelton, his weight yeah. through Antonio against... Uh, was it Marcus, it, Marcus Street? Street. Yeah, I, I, I said this to a friend of mine who's very knowledgeable on rugby. He goes, "Who's Marcus Street?" I said, "That is the problem." <laughs> yeah, that is it, the problem. Slightly concerning. And Marcus Street, I, watching him in, in the game, got himself in some lovely positions, and it wasn't good enough. It just wasn't good enough. And behind him, he's basically got a flanker pushing him. <sighs> you can't do that. So, how La Rochelle are going to? Well, how Leinster are going to deal with the La, the La Rochelle power? It's going to be fascinating because obviously they've got some great boys themselves. But that's the one they I have, see. and they've got they've basically got an international pack who have played against mm. um, international packs as big as this La Rochelle. Actually, Is anyone not, as big as that side well, of the scrum of La Rochelle? Oweni Antonio with Paul Valemsa behind him is is Almost. not it's not far off. Yeah, or um, Malherb with Etzebeth behind him. Yeah, it's not, again, is not oh. far off. Wow, and that that. Um, Island pack, which is basically that Leinster pack, have done that and, and beat Don't those it. teams in the last twelve months. Yeah, I, it was I, a last-minute try from Retier for La Rochelle. Won it last year. Uh, yeah, I, I was looking I, back on that. It was yeah. 79th minute try. Yeah, it was with the conversion that that won it by three points last year. Yep. So I, it, I mean, to extrapolate that forward because matchups are as much of, as much of what it's about as anything, but. I, I La Rochelle are an exceptional rugby team. Uh, they are. I think I think the improvement in Leinster means if they if they bring their game anything like what they can, they they will win. Yeah. So I think what did Leinster do really well this game? They imposed themselves. So because they could get their game going, that obviously meant that Le- uh, Toulouse couldn't get their game going. And it's much easier to control a game than it is to get into get into a scrap. I thought was very impressive this week about La Rochelle was the range of rugby that they played. So yeah, mm. they do go forward and they get over the game line with big guys. But all of a sudden, it's like, oh, actually, um, we'll we'll just go and crossfield kick, or yeah. we'll just go do something the, else. The Raymond Rule try yeah. with the crossfield kick 
That was ace. Because it, it, they just made Exeter look like academy players. There's no other word for it. I mean, some of these guys are academy players. Yeah, they yes, will be on exactly, the academy. Yeah. Like Beckinsale, uh, who was playing for Exeter Uni a month ago. Good lad, though. <laughs> Mad, isn't good, it? Good lad. Good lad. He had one or two wobbles, but it, he will be so much better for having played in that. My goodness me, yeah. That's all has PC, uh, PCSD. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you just mentioned Baxter. Like, this was probably the two coaches that it's one of those times where, oh, I want another half an hour of the programme just so those two can just talk. Oh, mm. So I, I loved They it. had that little handshake in the post-match afterwards. And so I was, I was disappointed in two things in that post-match. One, the... the, the we didn't see any interaction other than with the, the two of them together. With yeah, the two of them together. One of them, Rog walked off and Rob walked in. And the other one, I had to say, Tim, cover your ears. Um, I thought so. Ronald Gara, he was clearly. Um, he, he actually said, "I mean, I mean, game mode." Like he was clearly not thinking about the interview, but he was giving quite long, considered answers. And I felt like both Bafes and Delalio kind of cut him off. On a couple of occasions, when I wanted all I wanted was just to listen to Ron O'Gara talking about what's just happened and what is going to be happening in the next few weeks. He was talking about this is Leinster. One of the points he made was Leinster have to do a month like this one month of the year. La Rochelle have to do a month like this ten months of the year. Yeah, this is what they do. This is what they do every month. And I wanted to listen to like him. Explaining and expanding that point, and he got cut off by Delalio asking some nonsense about whatever he, whatever what, was. What does it mean to you? Uh, basically, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm sorry. What, what are your emotions? Uh... <laughs> basically, so I was. There, there, I don't there's, think there's we quite got often most... a lot of there's, there's quite often a lot of voices and a lot of things going on in your ear that's, yeah. that's un, unseen and unheard. That they're, they're asking for, about the climate. For one, <laughs> for one thing, there's 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 a person constantly reminding you of when you go off air. Yeah, and that's three minutes to uh, three minutes to. <laughs> off, off the times when it's really scary is when you ask Rob Baxter a question and they're going, uh, "That's uh, one and a half minutes till off air." You're thinking, "Oh no, <laughs> is he ever going to finish?" <laughs> I don't want to have to cut him off, but yeah. So, yeah, but I love listening to that. Um, I will actually. I, I always do it for international games. I rarely do it for club games. I'll go and listen to the. Um, they're always on YouTube. Oh, mm. the, the, the proper in-depth post. Those two. Those two rugby brains are two I could listen to all day. Oh, I used to love watching the post-match at sale. That used to be my my, my, mm. my favourite thing in with the, dimes in the press room. Oh yeah. But then it all sort of changed because COVID, and then you weren't allowed in the press room and. Yep, yeah, but you had some fascinating insights by some of the coaches. Dimes, Dimes was always funny. Like the the difference in his personality from a loss to a win. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like Doctor Jekyll oh, oh, if, and Mister Hyde, it's ridiculous. If they'll win, Dimes is in a good mood. You know, everyone's going upstairs and getting absolutely leathered. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's all awesome. bouncing. Yeah, he's, he's bubbly. He's having some sport with the the guys. When they lose, you you don't want to be asking that question. <laughs> you want to be in there. No, no. Everyone's like all the reporters yeah, looking go, at their shoes. Any question? Everyone's looking around. You go on. You ask the first one. Go on. <laughs> the worst one was when we um when we when they had Toulouse <laughs> come and play. So Toulouse showed up and in the Hanging Cup, you've got to put forward a player and a coach. You can't just put a coach. Mm. But I don't think the coach spoke English. So he sent this Australian lock and he sat there and then all the reporters didn't have a single question to ask him. Just nothing. And they went, right, 
well, that's it then. That's like you've just got the, the Toulouse player here who can speak English. It could give you some gold. Nobody wanted it. All they wanted Richie was, Arnold, perhaps. No, it wasn't. It was just um, a few years ago. That doesn't matter. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was an Islander guy. Okay. But anyway, he just wandered off. Like, what a waste of time. But all people wanted were quotes from Dimes. That, mm. that was it. Yeah. Ah, oh, this, this game, this um, this extra um, La Rochelle. I do feel like we saw the best of La Rochelle, um, but the best of them against, like you say, JB, yeah. a bit of an academy side. It, it's not the performance that Exeter would have wanted. Well, to I tell in. you, let's just let's just talk about Exeter for a second, okay? So, the, uh, before the game, I was kind of hopeful that the Rob Baxter Midas approach and just great coaching, great strategizing might be enough to keep it kind of level, and then hopefully a bit of magic by some of their senior players mm. or something would make a huge difference. First five minutes was looking great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sam Simmons goes over, I'm thinking, hmm, this is interesting. Just too many weaker players. And they'll get better. So Dan Frost, I thought, had a horrible game. Um, but he's a talented boy. He's a young he's lad. He's a great player. Talented boy. Great player. He just had a bad game. Yeah. Uh, but this is just not the time to have a bad game. No, no. You know, you can't... You know, against... This is why you get paid the big money. Because if you want to be an international or whatnot, you're going to have to go and beat up... Bougret occasionally. And, and um, Baxter said, particularly in the first half, every time Exeter made a mistake, they found themselves under the under the stick, seven yeah. points against them. And so, like, when Yendel came on, he made such a difference. Mm-hmm. So you could just see, like, cheating up the lads. There's a little bit more confidence there in, this, in scrimmaging, which has been going back, back all day. The most disappointing thing for me, by far, was not actually Dan Frost, and it was not Beckinsale or any of those boys at all, even remotely. It was the senior players. The senior players did not make a... Shred of impact, you, except except for Hollywood Burn? Simmons. So, Simmons, even right. Woodburn like had a few drops. Woodburn's try was brilliant, but it's it's not the to be. You're, a back you're three. talking Noel Slade, Joe Simmons. Yeah, exactly. The guys that should be lighting up. Yeah, I tend I tend to agree uh, with that. Even Gray, I know he went off in, in injured yeah, in doors. He only had tw- what, 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, you need to see him super busy, hitting every single work, making every single tackle. He, he needs to be. The Johnny Gray that he was like five or six years ago with 40 odd tackles Look, a game or whatever. We can say it now, it would have needed Exeter to have the day of days and La Rochelle to be totally off the boil for the result to go Exeter's favour. Yeah. So, like, so we should just enjoy and celebrate how well Exeter have done. Well, I guess you just have to look at it and go, like, what could this tell us about the next game? So, I, right at the start, obviously Exeter score, and I thought their defensive strategy was pretty good. So they're getting off off the game line. I don't know if you remember this, but the first defensive set Exeter had, they marched La Rochelle back to like the halfway. And then La Rochelle went, enough of this, we'll just kick. And then they scored. You think, bloody hell, maybe they would only be able to march La Rochelle back because they were committing too many numbers to the tackle because they'd been too aggressive, but at the expense of something else. And La Rochelle, bam. Well, in, ter- in terms of the matchups, so this is where I think La Rochelle match up really well, is La Rochelle have got exciting rugby in their locker but I think to beat Leinster you've just got to keep it really really simple and not not try and batter down the door again mm. and again and again actually no just you know what we're just going to kick try and isolate Keenan try and well firstly force the the other wingers up into yeah. the, into the defensive line and then find the grass because that's really hard to do against Leinster it is mm. it is I mean it's Ke- Keenan is so good <laughs> if they anyway but we're talking La Rochelle, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, La Rochelle got to do what Toulouse couldn't do, just consistently get over the game line. And then, and once you are over the game line, you can mix it up as much as you want. Oh, my word, Gregory Aldrich is some, it, yeah. it's just a god. He's mm. a god of a rugby player. He looked awesome. But it's, 
getting front football off the back of that scrum mm. and the back of those malls, it does help. Yeah. It really does help. Do you know but what? He looked awesome still. I, again, recently, and in this year's, in this season's Heineken Cup competition, I have stood next to Gregory Aldrich. And in fact, I'm thinking now the whole French back row. I've stood next to Gregory Aldrich, Anthony, o- Anthony Gelance at the weekend. Not Olive on this season, yeah. but I have Jelance stood is next injured, to right? him. is injured, but he was on the touchline. So I've stood next to Gelance and Aldrich now, and they're not. They're incredible rugby players. They're not massive. Chalange isn't massive. I They're not huge. massive. Mm. Yeah, you sort of Aldr- imagine Aldr- they're going to be... Aldrich's not. Olivon is. Yeah, because Olivon's 6'7", isn't he? Yeah. He's like Courtney Law's but, like, size. If you were... If you... If, if, if we went to a CrossFit session and Anthony Gelance rocked up, you'd, 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 I so, bet you'd, you'd sort notice, of go... You'd, uh, no, I bet you would notice, but... <laughs> you'd notice. I, I, actually, do you know what? Now I think about it, I saw Gelance with tracksuit bottoms on, and it's amazing how many rugby players you, you look at when they've got tracksuit bottoms and a polo and a, and a polo shirt on, and you think, oh, they're not as big as I thought they'd be, and then you see their legs. Yeah. And then, Gelange oh, is massive. Right. Isn't Gelange like 6'4 or something? So Gelange, do you know what he's listed at? 6'4, I'd say. 6'4? Yeah. Weight? Uh, he's lighter. 100, so. 107. Yeah, about that. Kegs. 105. Yeah. He is. Which What's 105 that, like for an international stone? back row. 16 stone, 7. It's not massive, is it? Is it? Same weight as me. That's not not massive for an international back row. Mm. Clearly a very good player. I was just yeah, surprised. Yeah. surprised sadly, I quite I quite like... It's, I haven't got the confidence to weigh them. Like, like yeah, you have, have, to weigh, <laughs> you have, you have to weigh them there. Anthony, then. Yeah. bonjour. <laughs> you can imagine how that goes. There down. is a guy on YouTube that goes around weighing strongmen. Have you seen this? No. So he goes around and goes, bro, like, so I think it's the same guy. It might be a different guy. It, the mind's right. There could be two guys that do... do uh, do this sort of thing. So the first guy, who could be the same guy, I don't know, goes to like Jim Bros and, and asks them, what is a one at max? And they give them what is, they'll give a number. He goes, right, if you can get, do your one at max right now, I'll pay you that amount in hundreds of dollars. And no one can ever do it because yeah. they always lie about the one at max. Or one at max would be when you're trained for that. You're not necessarily, you don't walk around trained that's yeah, for your one at max. That's pretty funny though. Yeah. But like they always get the one at max. They, they, they that's quite, that is quite good. Yeah. And the other one is um, height and weight. So I know this person from rugby clubs. Now, it doesn't sound funny when I explain it, but I always tell people that I'm six foot because it drives people, because I'm, I'm six two, right? And it drives people crazy in rugby clubs. That when I say I'm six foot and they think they're six foot because it's a big thing for men like well you can't be you, you simply can't be and then we have arguments and they tell me they've been to the doctors and been measured by professionals <laughs> like no you, won't, you can't la- laser measured yeah laser me- I'm saying, well I got measured the other day mate. why would I lie about my, my why, height I'm why, six foot yeah why, why would I say I'm short and then I actually am <laughs> and it drives people absolutely insane <laughs> any more on this game or any game or any, any either of these semi-finals um, yeah, just to say something about La Rochelle, actually. Yeah. What I've been really impressed by them um, with is they've had three different premiership op- um, opposition now, and each one has bought them something slightly, diff- slightly mm. different to beat, and every time they've defeated them in a, in a different way. And actually, the team which has given them the most trouble was Gloucester, with the way that they... And, and Phil tell you Ulster. Mm. Heart, heartbreaking defeat in yeah. the last minute. Oh, yeah. My boys. So... Um, you know, Gloucester had the most success. Their most impressive victory was against Saracens because of just the tactical tactical acumen that they showed. And Exeter, well stuck out. Hopefully, someone will learn something from that. But they just were not good enough, even remotely. We've got yeah. two URCV top fourteen finals. 
Oh yeah, because Glasgow versus Toulon. It's Glasgow v Toulon. Mm. Your, your poor beloved Benetton, JB. Z- nil points. No yeah, what? So uh, Olivon got a red carded and yeah. early in the game, and they still won twenty-eight nil. Or thirty-three. It was. Or it was to nil. Yeah, it was to nil. I didn't. I didn't watch to the end. The the only bit. So I saw Scarlet's Glasgow. The only bit of the um, Toulon Benetton game I saw was. Um, uh, Perisay's grubber kick. Oh yeah, lovely. For I can't remember who scored the try, but yeah, Perisay grubber kick. That's all you need to yeah. know. Yeah, it was good. It's very good. Mm. Um, and a good. It was a good win for Glasgow, as well. Looking good. So that that'll be an interesting final. Yeah. So those and finals that's on the, are, Friday. the Friday night is the Challenge Cup, and the Saturday is the Champions Cup. Is that the? Oh, it's when we're in Birmingham, isn't it? Correct. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. The weekend of nineteenth, twentieth of May. Lovely yeah. stuff. Looking forward to that. Indeed. I'm meant to be going to Galway, of all places. Are you? Yeah. Comments. Well, so, Talk H had their tour this weekend, which I should have gone on, actually, and I didn't. Um, they went to Pisa, and there's, like, another little holiday thing which they do. It's here to Galway. But I'm wondering if it's going to clash with... Um, with the 20th. Yeah, with the 20th. Mm. I, I want to congratulate... Um, Galway would be good uh, mm. Broughton Park's big local rivals, Trafford Metrovic, just up the road. Um, they... Their under-15s are a, a bit sore because they, they, they haven't beaten Broughton Park in several years. Big local rivals. Mm. They've tried. They're, good, they're a good bunch of lads. Like them a lot. Um, However, just not really on your and level. They, they, went, um, they went on their tour the other weekend and they had a shit shirt uh, night. Standard. And there was a competition for best shit shirt and the winner was someone who went in a Broughton Park t-shirt. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> very good. Classic. Good. Absolute classic. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Great banter. I like local rivalries. Mm. <laughs> um, is, it, is, is it Steve Diamond's Trafford Metrovic? Yeah, Steve Diamond played well. at Metrovic. He did, he did. Mm. Where, where, the, where does the name Metrovic come from? What does that mean? No idea. Absolutely oh, no idea. hang on. Is it like something Victoria? don't know. Mm. I don't know. don't know. No, I like uh, the stories behind names. Like, I, like, I love the story behind... Uh, Talk H names is phenomenal. It's great. Phenomenal. Uh, we've got some great coaching applicants for... for Talk H. I mean, I don't know how they'll get on with coaching children's rules next year, but still, it's amazing how many people are still thinking it's going to be okay next year. It will not be okay next year. I, I, well, just one thing on that. Um, so, so I don't have a I don't have a massive problem with laws being changed for kids because they're not old enough to make informed yep. consent. I think it's ridiculous what's being brought in at adult level. I think it's just crazy. So we we, we don't need to go over that. No, we don't. But I have already said. Because uh, this is honestly how I feel. I've been the person who referees whenever we can't get a society ref to cover our game, which is quite often. So I've refereed quite a lot of games this season. I've already said I have absolutely no interest in refereeing. Nope. Not out of belligerence, but just because how... It's going to be a nightmare it's refereeing. The, it's going to be a nightmare refereeing, exactly. And I feel sorry for the referees already, and I'm going to have lots of sympathy for the ones that do have the courage to step up and do it. And you can't have a game without them. I, that's one of the things I really fear for. For one thing, one of the lines in the law says a uh, an attacking player may not significantly lower their <laughs> body height. What does significantly mean? Who yeah. knows? How on earth do yeah. you referee Who knows? that? These guys who've written we, these laws do not have high insa- IQs. It is insane. We we discussed that at some length last week yeah. after you had to go off yeah, yeah, and get I, to I, listen, I listened back to it, yeah, it was good. Yeah, and it is, it's crackers. Like the, uh, as we... The point I made last week was I'd love to see the guidance that the RFU give on, on how they want referees to deal with that. And Lee French, friend of the pod, um, very good referee, said, 
probably there won't be any guidance, which makes it even worse. Because if you if you give some guidance around how you want to enforce or try to enforce it, it's, it'll still be ludicrous. Have you heard? But at least there'll be some consistency in this. That you'll get no consistency. But have you heard what the RFU come up with when you ask them for guidance? Oh, God. So, like, I will give you an example. The, the tackle height stuff. I was watching this demonstration by a RFU bod whose job it is to go around and explain. And they, they're using things like... I mean, they're using words like airspace. So we need to get heads out of the same airspace. Do you mean space? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. we leave you for t- for two minutes to devise some r- guidance, and you just come out with waffle. Like, and that's what they'll do. And this links a little bit, doesn't it, to what happened to Cole Dixon in World, in world Rugby and whatnot, um, which is people are... The people that are enforcing the laws and giving guidance to refs as to how they should do it very rarely come out and support the refs. So it would be very nice for the RFU to say, this is what we're telling refs to do, don't mess about with them because this is what they've been told. Now, if they don't say that, all these refs are going to be on the hook for all sorts of accusations. Well, just getting every podcast, including ours, when Carl Dixon made that decision the other week um, on his back. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. No, one, yeah. no one thought to call him. Just hung him out to dry. This is a perfect moment to ask you a question. I, I'm, I've been really excited to share this because I, 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 I was aware of the club, but I wasn't aware of the name of this chap. Does Gary Reynolds mean anything to you? Gary Reynolds. Gary Reynolds. No. He's down south somewhere, I think. He is the chief executive of Rams, who have been in the hunt for National One promotion all season. Oh, okay. And I remember them when I was growing up in Newbury and playing for Newbury. That club was called Reading Gensians at the time, and they were kind of oh, okay. sort of low down, bottom of the food chain of of the Reading clubs. But they've emerged as the premier team in the region there, mm-hmm. and they've got a great thing going. Anyway, Gary Gary Reynolds is the chief exe- chief executive, and he did an article um, that's in the rugby paper, the latest episode. And I just wanted to just read a bit of it because um, you're going to love this guy, JB. Go on then. You had a crack at being a counsellor and you realised that, you know, that the whole blazer... Well, I just worked, I realised I didn't work hard enough. That, yeah. That's why I realised. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. But anyway, if... Uh, after you hear about this guy, I suspect you are like, get Gary Reynolds in the RFU, get him in there. Anyway, I want to... Tell me. He tell says, me. Uh, this is what he says, quote, I've been a big supporter of Wasps over the years. Uh, I used to watch them Sorry, play... Gary Reynolds. Gary Reynolds. It's Chief, not the it's Rams, definitely not Coventry. Chief Exec of Rams. All right, go on then, sorry. Um, so he talks about several issues, including Wasps, which it starts with here. I've been a big supporter of Wasps over the years. I used to watch them when they played at Sunbury and was in Dublin when they beat Munster in the Heineken Cup semi-final in 2004. I followed them around and loved the club, but but after going bust, they should be starting at the bottom again, like Richmond, London, Scottish and London Welsh had to. Mm -hmm. The RFU got it right then, but what is happening with Wasps is crazy. It's sad because you don't want to see clubs fail, but if they do, they have to face the consequences. Yep. Yep. In economics, you're taught about moral hazards... Ooh, love this. Yeah, I thought you'd love it. Tell me more. Uh, Rescue someone and it sends a signal to the market that if you take more risks and it doesn't work, someone (laughs) will come to your aid. Yeah, yeah. Bailouts. Yeah. Failures should not be propped up. Let them go. And I do not say that happily. Old ones die to let new ones through. But despite having no players and no ground, a place is being held for Wasps in the Championship. You only get certainty when everyone knows where they stand. The uncertainty around Wasps means the future future size of the Championship is still has to be determined. Jesus. One advantage for the club promoted from National 1 this season is that is that their players will operate under the old tackle law, not the variation being introduced to Level 3 and below. A dangerous tackle 
will include one above the base of an opponent's sternum, while a ball carrier must... Not- oh, right, so this isn't a quote from him. So, sorry, it goes... So, he's a National One club. Yep. If they'd have got promoted, they'd be going up to yep. the championship where they have the laws. This is what he said about the new laws. Quote... It may be that this change makes it safer for players, but my concern is why it was rushed through so quickly. It's not being introduced to the Premiership and the Championship for another year at least. Tackle height is a bigger issue at that level in the, uh, than in mm-hmm. the community game, yep. so why not bring it all in at once? To me, it has been rushed through without enough data being gathered or enough guidance or detail. It's a knee-jerk reaction by people not up to, speed, up to the speed of the game and has to be one of the worst decisions ever. He carries on. We've had three concussions this season, one down to poor tackle technique and the other two accidental. One is too many, of course, but we have to stop apologising for our game. It is physical, tough, combative and involves contact. You cannot make rugby safe any more than you can make horse riding or Formula One. Safer, yes, although this change would seem to put tacklers at greater risk of getting need in the head, but you cannot eliminate risk. Mm, we yeah. should be talking up the benefits of playing... Oh, you love this bit. We should be talking up the benefits of playing rugby, such as making friends for life, uh, learning about yourself in a tough situation. He then goes on and talks about the uh, how it's been... Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com handled and the need for a shake-up at the RFU. Quote, My experience of the executive is first class, he said. It, it is the council and the committees that are appalling and they're the ones who control the game. I disagree with them on that. Okay. You only have to look at the recent changes to the county's under-20s and the Papa John's Community Cup to appreciate how it's turning into a dog's breakfast. The council is not properly representative of the game. We've elected the wrong people for years, and we have to tell the council it needs to change because it's not fit for purpose. Yeah, so... Uh, more. Oh, I've got, yeah. I'll just finish, because it's the last paragraph now. More and more clubs are pushing for change after the clumsy way the tackle law has been handled. A number, a number fear losing players and teams because a lot of the old guard will struggle to change technique and they've used for, uh, that they've used for years so won't bother it's come to a head because everyone can see democracy was chucked out of the window the council has forfeited our trust right so I, I, I've got to disagree with some of that stuff you know uh, 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 yeah. in the totality but firstly, what, the tone is perfect and the tone is perfect is quite, uh, like, is this not the sort of dissenting view of someone who's in a position yes. at a club this that's one clearly operating really well yeah it's, it's nice to hear someone well, Rams, sticking their head above the parapet. Rams got a mention by Owen Slot not so long ago. Do you remember this? So Owen Slot mm. wrote about the worst club in the country. And the worst club in the country was, I think, it was Yorkshire at the time? It was what? Uh, Leeds. No, 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 as in Yorkshire. Yorkshire Carnegie. Oh yeah, so oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, he wrote what, what like, about Leeds. Yeah, yeah. Leeds. Yeah, so he wrote Tikes. about the worst club in the country. But because he wrote about the worst club in the country, he then wrote about the best clubs in the country. And Rams came up on his list of six. Oh. So yeah, Rams on alongside Broughton Park under fifteens. Uh, yeah, and Dipsy Tock H. So absolutely right. I thought that would give you a little encouragement, JB. Well, yes, <laughs> y- yes. So why do I disagree with that? 
You disagree because you, you think Bill Sweeney needs to go. And bearing in mind the the front page of uh, yeah. the rugby paper today is that the RFU are fifty million pounds in debt. Bill Sweeney has to go. Yeah. So it was, so look, Bill Sweeney is dreadful, right? First and foremost, Bill Sweeney is dreadful. He, he is competent, but he's competent and sinister at the same time, which is kind of exactly what we don't want in an individual. He has no idea about rugby. He has no idea about why we play it, why we enjoy it. The guy is completely wrong for this job. In my mind, he's completely wrong for almost every job. But, <laughs> okay, that's that. Say so, so we really think. That's that. Um, Tom Illoub, or whatever the hell his name is, the chairman, like, they are abs- they are absolutely focused on things which have nothing to do with rugby. Like, they are obsessed by various different campaigning things and just things which nobody cares about. Which which is true of pretty much every corporate <sighs> entity right now. Exactly right, yeah. yeah. Exactly right. So, yeah. Now, the reason I don't disagree, I don't agree with those comments about the council, is not because they are not suitable. I mean, look at the guys that we elected. If you ever have to spend any time listening to Ken Andrews talk talk about rugby, you it will blow your mind. Like how that guy represented us for so long and no one knew anything about him is beyond me. I don't think Dave Clark is much better, and hopefully the new guy which I've selected, he might be okay. I, I, I have I have no idea. But the two that were responsible for those votes are an absolute shambles. So yeah, we've got the wrong people there. But the reason we have the wrong people there is because we weren't engaged. And I don't see how there is a better system than the one that we've got, because it's all very well saying we need to elect the right people. But how do you construct a system which can be fair and not manipulated and also get you to the outcome that you want? Does that make sense? So if I just say, look, okay, we're going to start appointing people who agree with me. That is great in principle and great for the short term of what I want. But then how on earth do I know that when the next guys come along and they have nothing in common with me, they go and just hijack the same system to appoint the people that they want? Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah. We've got this system for the, for the council. And I actually think it probably is the least worst system. It's not great. But the reason it doesn't work is not because we've got idiot councilmen. I mean, they, like, they don't help. But it's because the clubs are not that invested. Yeah. I suspect that someone like... I always use Bucks because I know a little bit about them. But that's a much smaller county. I think they've got 14 clubs. So their 14 clubs can often sort of talk to each other mm. to get their councilmen to do what they want. So if, for, if, if for example, there yeah. was a... If, for example, there was a, uh, a a region that was just inside the M60 in Manchester, you could go around and talk to the ten clubs. That's it in that area, and you could you could get some consensus between those ten. Yes, yeah. And, yeah. Whereas when we've got eighty, you can't do that. Yeah. So if you look at how Staffordshire have, have, have handled the, uh, their business, that's what we want. We want a uh, we want a county that tells its rep, "You do what we say, or we'll fire you." Right, and that's when you get a rep which represents your county. So we need devolvement in rugby, basically. Yeah, I don't know what the answer is. More so. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, maybe we limit the amount. <coughs> I mean, maybe every 20 clubs get, gets councillor, or maybe it, mm. you know, maximum size is 15, something like that. Yeah, so it's more representative of a chunk of clubs. Yeah. And, and, if, <clears throat> and if you... How, then people say, "Well, how do you fund that?" Because the RFU is in a massive hole financially. It's like, well, you don't councillors. You don't need to get all the per, all those perks. Do, no, it, do, do it, it on Zoom. Do it for the love of rugby and do it on Zoom. Yeah. Get some of the perks, maybe not all of the perks. Yeah, 
I mean, it's not... I mean, four-star hotels in Rome instead of five-star hotels. Yeah, I mean, it was so obvious. One of the things which was so obvious to me in those meetings was just how much, particularly Ken Andrews, revelled in spending the money of the RFU and how he thought we wanted to hear a report about what happened in, in Twickenham this week. No, we didn't. Watch, watch it on, on TV. We want to know about home walkovers. We want to know about, you know, the high, like high tackles. We want to know about things in our county. Not what you've done in Twickenham this weekend. It was ludicrous, actually. I get more angry the more I think about it. <laughs> oh, I was trying to make you feel positive. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, but he is right. But that yeah. guy is, like, you know, he is definitely right in the, the, the tone and tenor of what, of what he's saying. It's just like, how do you create the system in order to get more accountability? Was it Gareth Reynolds? Reynolds. He's, well, he's, list, he's put down here Gary Reynolds in the Gary rugby Reynolds. paper, but they may have got it wrong. But Gary Reynolds, yeah. Yeah. Oh, right, sorry, I thought you were looking Oh, no, 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 sorry, just, just um, confirming the name. Yes, Gary Reynolds, like the cut of his jib. Uh, yes. R- yeah, R- crisis at RFU hit by a £50 million bombshell. How uh, does that happen? How does that happen? How is it unexpected? That's what I don't get. They're going like, oh, we didn't... Oh, all of a sudden, oh... Uh, it looks, like, looks like we're £50 million in yeah. debt now. Guys, I've got something to tell you about the podcast finances. <laughs> a little bit of a bombshell for you. We're f- yeah, about that. We're, I mean, it's we're, no, we're £50 million in profit this year. Yeah, because well, we've been siphoning it from the RFU. Well, I mean, we kind of were. But like, how do, yeah, how does that happen? I, and that is such a large amount. I think I'm right in saying that the RFU could be in a hole such that the only way out of it is to sell, it. sell assets, probably to CVC. <laughs> Probably. Oh god! Like, what does CVC want with all this stuff? It's going to be worthless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, like, I, give it them. Run well, it into the ground. I, yeah. thi- I know. I know. I think they want all of it. Why? No, of course they don't. Because they, they that'd be the worst outcome for CVC. Well, no, well they're already engaged in uh, the NFL, the, uh, which is a closed shop. So they they're already they're already invested in NFL. Are they? Are yeah. you sure about that? Yeah. Oh, mm. I don't think they are. I'm pretty sure it was in this article. No way. NFL own all of their set. All of their, I mean, I can't unless they own a club. Hmm. You could they, that just not that would not fly. That would not fly. Um, I've got an answer for Trafford Metrovics. Yep, Metropolitan Vickers Metrovics. Oh, awesome! Um, was a British heavy. Electrical engineering company. Oh, amazing! The early this is this is actually amazing, considering it's round the corner from where we live, and none of us knew about this. So, um, heavy elect- electrical engineering company, early to mid twentieth century, formerly known as British Westinghouse. Oh, I know them. Yeah, you know, and you know Westinghouse because um, Westinghouse Nuclear. Yeah, um, bank- owned by Toshiba, I think it is bankrupt recently mm. um, in the US, but. Um, so that's obviously a derivative of Westinghouse, um, who I think Westinghouse was an American engineer. Anyway, Metrovix, uh, well known for industrial electrical equipment, including generators, steam turbines, switchgear transformers, <laughs> electronics, railway traction equipment, and the first British axial flow jet engine. Wow. wow. Its factory in Trafford Park, Manchester, was for most of the 20th century one of the biggest and most important heavy engineering facilities in the world. It's incredible. No wonder bombs, <laughs> so many bombs were dropped around Chalton. Yeah. 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 Well, the house opposite, some of the houses opposite me were, were, looked different from the rest of the street because they were bombed. Well, Joe mm. Broughton Park, where it is now, was an airfield. Mm. It was for airships. Yeah, and when I get my way over with L under ten, well, it we don't, we don't talk about L under ten now. Um, <laughs> That's very cool. Uh, uh, yeah, and let me just encourage that because we've had Talk H 
Disby Tock H called so because it was a field hospital mm. during the wars. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. Uh, but it's retained the name. Yeah. Um, and Metrovic, now we understand the origin of that. Other cool rugby club origin stories, please. There must be loads, isn't there? There must be loads of great stories. Um, that is awesome. So I really had no, genuinely no idea about that. So just whilst we're on, um, just whilst we're on that one, uh, Cambridge won it. Which we've yes. not really spoke about. So, I, I actually, I've actually seen Cambridge play this season. Oh, uh, uh, um, Sale. Yeah, so Cambridge came into Sale, and me and a good friend of mine, Neil Wilkin- Wilkinson, went to watch because there's a lad there playing called Joe Green, uh, who plays on the wing, is just sort of making his way into rugby. And they were hoping that they obviously get promoted so they don't have to play the children's laws mm. of next year. And they've done it. And tell you what, Cambridge are a massive side so last year I think I'm right in saying and I'm sure someone will correct me by like halfway through the season the top try score in that one was the Cambridge hooker because they just mm. kick to the corner and then, uh, and then they score mm. so I'm just looking at the table uh, Very exciting. finished the uh, national one table so Cambridge well Sale FC in third place on 113 points 113 points and they still didn't go up. So, Sale FC actually won the most games. They won 23 out of 26 games, mm-hmm. 113 points. Crucially, only 21 bonus points. Rams uh, won 22, so one fewer game. 22 out of 26, 114 points because they got two extra bonus points. And Cambridge also won 22, got two less bonus points, or two fewer bonus points, but drew one game. So, 114 points and a better points difference because wow. they scored more and conceded fewer mm. well congratulations Cambridge and the other story of course there's been so much clamour that we need Ealing at you know the top of the table sorry mm. in the top table so it turns out we got that wrong we need Jersey, Jersey. at the top table yeah and I think that could work actually how, how big's the island Population? yeah that's a good point well, anyway, is it any smaller than uh, Gloucester or Northampton? You need a stadium. Can you get uh, ten thousand people into Jersey <coughs> Stadium every? Uh, d- d- probably not. Well, maybe with temporary stands, but y- let's, you, let's have a look at the population. I think as I, as my, well, I can't remember if we touched on it last week, but um, when they when we were talking about their win over Ealing, or was that two weeks ago? Now I can't remember. Anyway, mm. they uh, they could certainly attract high quality players, and if they did go to the Premiership, their salary cap would stretch. Yeah, no. stretch a whole lot further, maybe like forty percent further. You maybe, maybe because <laughs> of their ta- efficient tax laws. There you go. Uh, Jersey population one hundred three thousand, Gloucester population one hundred twenty eight thousand. Yeah, I'm not sure they're filling up a ten thousand seat stadium. Are you? Well, if Gloucester can do it, now yeah. I guess it's it's yeah. easier if you live in say Cheltenham or Stroud yeah. to get to Gloucester. What, what if- sort of a metric is that that anyone cares about? Is that not just the DCMS? Metric that they no for some idea. reason about like it was some reason about is it that's the amount of <clears> which insurance or something it's, it's some I don't think it's got any other metric beyond DCMS and I just don't think it's a I, I don't care how many people the 10, are in the stand stadium yeah you won't get all I, ca- I care about I'm, viable rugby yeah. clubs hundred yeah. percent well none yeah. of them are viable because it's a CBC <laughs> deal <What's> yeah. So? <laughs> yeah then none of them are viable well they're, they so, are they're viable as long as you've got a multi millionaire who's willing to throw money away yeah. They're and the, not viable as entities on their own. They're, yeah. They're, they're non-profit-making yeah, entities. Correct. That's what I mean. Uh, okay. 
they'll still be here in another year's time. Five years. The (laughs) clock is ticking, right? I heard a saying about banks. Banks break very slowly and then very quickly. And I think it's going to be the same with rugby. It's going to break very slowly and then very, very quickly. It's like a variant of Gates Law, that, isn't it? What's that? Gates Law is you um, overestimate the short-term progress. So, like, everyone 10 years ago was saying... Um, oh, self-driving self-driving cars will be here in a few years. Yeah, you overestimate the short-term ter- progress, but then underestimate the long-term progress. I can so something just yeah. completely blindsides you mm. because you've not seen it like AI at the moment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a variant of that. What I other think. rugby stories are there? Just I'm just oh, um, covered <coughs> off that one. Covered off the in- international selections. Yeah, interesting. Wales, no Joe Hawkins in the Wales fifty-four man preliminary squad. Yeah, this is the because first of the twenty-five cap rule. Yeah, mm. which I thought might he might get away with that for the World Cup because you know, like Zach Mercer is right. So there is something funny with his contract. I can't remember <laughs> what it is, but it's something like he signed that contract when there was like no agreement with the Welsh clubs. So like the agreement sort of lapsed. He signs with Exeter, and then. He's okay. There's some weird thing, okay? So the reason I'm umming and ahhing is because, like, there's a lad called Llewellyn who's going from Cardiff to Gloucester, right? Now, he is eligible to play for Wales, even though he's moving to Gloucester, because he's not had a Welsh cap. So if Hawkins had said no to his Welsh cap in the Six Nations, he would then be eligible to play. But he said yes to his Welsh cap. So meanwhile, Hawkins isn't eligible now for Wales. However, who else is eligible for Wales, Tim? Henry Thomas. Henry Thomas, our mm. old friend from Sale. And I have to say, Henry Thomas. Th- England capped Henry Thomas. England capped Henry Thomas, available for Wales. He's playing in France. Through parents. He's playing in France, yeah. And he, when he was a youngster at Sale, I was the I was the match announcer at Sale, and he was this kid who was straight out of school. Millfield. Millfield School. Um, and Mike Brewer, who was the then head coach, uh, signed him as a kid, put him straight into the first team. And honestly, he is one of the best props at that age I've ever seen. His, yeah. ha- his hands, his skills, he's just been injury prone all the we time. We all yeah. thought, didn't we? And the injuries as well, hasn't he? Yeah. We all thought he was going to be the absolute business. Mm. And, you know, as evidence of that, that's why Bath bought him. I mean, mm. Bath were on a spending spree. Salary cap didn't matter. Bath were just going to get all, all the best players. Henry Thomas was that guy, but never kicked on. Maybe, no, maybe he- it's a, a lesson, or an, another example of lessons don't join Bath. Don't join Bath, yes. Well said. Now, Henry Thomas is only 32, isn't he? 31. Oh, my Maybe word. That's nothing to prop. Big boy, top, four, top 14 winner with Montpellier last yep. year. I did see him scrimmage from Montpellier against one of the English teams, and I thought, not that good. Mm. But he's better, good. better than most Welsh title props. Well, what about the English title props? That's a more personal <laughs> question. That's a great yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. So oh, like, if if England play Wales in a quarter final and Henry Thomas monsters Ellis Genge, yeah, that could hurt. I mean, luckily England are relatively strong on the loose head. Is this the first person that's gone from one home nation to another home nation? Capped um, already? Capped? I mean, yeah. Cooney was has talked yeah, about it, but he, he hasn't, hasn't actually done it. Done it. Um, there's the um, uncapped Munster fly half. Is it? Was it Healy? He, ben Healy, who went. To Scotland, but he wasn't but capped again. Yeah. Not capped. Uh, oh, I mean, sorry, yeah, he's not capped. Cooney was capped, but hasn't done it yet. 
Um, and again, there's all the lads, isn't there? Like, and Henry Thomas hasn't got a cap yet. He's in a preliminary squad. Yes, there's like Cam Redpath. There is. Um, oh yeah, there's loads of players. Gary who, Graham. There's loads of players who've switched allegiance, but this is no, no one who's played for. Yeah, one but country. not played. Yeah. yeah, potentially playing for another country. Yeah. The yeah. hilarious the nations as well. Yeah, the hilarious story of Sam Moore, who was called into England squad. It's still ridiculous this day. <laughs> um, Gary Graham. Gary Graham. Yep. So, but this, that was. Pre before this law change, there's this. Um, Kerr Barlow is apparently one, he's eligible for Australia. Oh, yes, he is, isn't he? Yeah, oh, interesting. He could play. And uh, Miafu, who you got to see in the flesh this yeah, weekend, too. Yeah, apparently, that was Eddie Jones's first phone call was to Emmanuel Miafu saying, Are we too late? And he went, Yeah, you are. Could you imagine that a second row with Miafu and Skelton? <laughs> I mean, you're going to have to have some jumping back rows, but yeah. <laughs> your scrum's going nowhere. Well, props, jumping props won't be easy to find. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. You, I mean, you are a, a jumping tight head prop. I'm a jumping tight head prop. It's, it's not, it's not a problem. Who can also play <laughs> wing and fullback? Exactly right. Now, just in terms of in terms of that, uh, it was on Eddie Stevens's rugby ranter banter uh, uh, pod latest episode. He mentioned it again, and it's something he's mentioned for years. Uh, to give him credit he's not just coming up with it now and I, I'm sure he's not the only person that said it but I, I heard him say it and thought he's really honestly he's got a good point England's number 8 is not nailed down Ellis Genge <laughs> <laughs> I mean if England's number 8 was currently yeah um, no Jasper Visa like he's not dissimilar he's not exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. he's not dissimilar yeah but no is the answer the answer is just no <laughs> no Ellis Genge to 8 we have uh, Barbary and uh, let's let's just put um, Sam Simmons in the centres. Yeah, we'll just get the just the, get your fifteen best lads. Go pack fifteen. Yeah, yeah. Just go. we're not going to win the World so, Cup. We might but, just, yeah. just try something different. Is Barbary not out for another twelve months now? Sorry, I think Barbary's out for another twelve months, isn't he? Poor Barbary. Yeah, yeah. He, he's well. Maybe he shouldn't have gone to Bath, mm. but maybe. His injuries are just going to be too yeah, severe. Um, let's just go back to Wales again. What, what, the whole thing's a farce. The whole thing's <laughs> an absolute farce. I mean, you know, we've spent. God, we're about to destroy the community game uh, at the altar of at the altar of player welfare, and then you've got this young lad who's one of the few bright spots for England. Sorry, England for Wales. He's moving across the border to England. There's no reason why he can't play for his nation. Where is the welfare angle of basically taking away a lad's international career because he won't do what you want? You know, it's just nasty. I I hate them all. I hate them all. And I thought uh, it might be the old rule, but I thought if you had to have been made at the time of signing the contract, you had to have been made a market, market rate offer. Yeah. Which um, there's one quite clear way of proving whether it's market rate or not is were you offered more money in England? <laughs> <laughs> um, but in this, presumably at the time when he signed that extra. All, all his Wales offers were totally up in the air. No one knew what on earth exactly. was going on. I, it feels it feels like if Hawkins wanted to kind of pursue this from a legal angle... Well, I would love to test... That would be a wonderful test. I would love to test the validity of the language of market rate offer and then just say, well, what about this market rate offer? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you said market rate offer. Well, but I so what I don't know is, if, is market rate offer still part of the... I don't know. ...the rules around it? Um... And if it's not, is it just down to the 25 cap rule and then restriction of t- trade and that kind of argument? Yeah. 
But it just, it's such a clumsy phrase. It's an insulting and clumsy phrase. <laughs> the market, oh yeah, we, oh, but we just decided it was a market rate. You don't mind, yeah, do you? Yeah. That's not how markets work. <laughs> that, that's not a thing. Uh, yeah, I had um, some really interesting conversations this week with people in rugby media um, about rugby and the direction it's going in with all the safety. But you know what? The more I think about talking about that, the more I can't be bothered. <laughs> well, just, just to... Um Back up the kind of uh, just on this negative tip for a minute, and uh, we've had a bunch of emails like this. This is oh, okay. Let's this do some emails. Is, uh, Adam mm. Davis, uh, contact TedChasers at dmail.com. Dear gents, pod good. Uh, as a bit of context, I play for a small club in West Sussex. We've only been going for 30 ish years. Oh, that's cool. We're a village club with no youth teams, so we are very reliant on people from around the village playing and dragging friends along. We have a tiny squad. There's about 24 of us, so our ability to field a team for matches is stretched. But amazingly, we still manage, as everyone just loves playing with their mates. Mm-hmm. Since the RFU's decision regarding the tackle height was announced, a lot of the team have said, thanks but no thanks. Um, unfortunately, this team will fold. Mm. Uh, we don't have a clubhouse, so have to use a village social club. And I don't want to turn into this a lads, lads, lads thing, but after every game, we head to the bar for a few drinks, putting money into that club. Mm. The rest of the time, the bar is very quiet. And without the rugby team, I think the social club may also go under. Cheers, Bill. Mm. Thank you, Adam, for, for that. Um, yeah. F- yeah, and just, <laughs> unfortunately, and this is what... I want to be really positive about rugby. And, and we talked about uh, some Champions Cup and this stuff, but this, there's no getting around this. Um uh, well, I, th- I, th- I think we've over the years have been positive when we can when it's right to be positive, yeah. and called it out and spoken um, frankly about everything that um, has gone wrong. Yeah, the, when it has gone wrong, the problem is in previous years the answer would be obvious, wouldn't it? Go and play rugby, but mm. I don't want to play rugby. I don't want anything to do with it, and I imagine lots of lots of other people. So. How can how can even I, I think there's I think most people sort of have a moderated version of your opinion. But like, how suggest. can you as how can we as rugby podcasters? Well, you guys can, but I can't. Right? <laughs> how can we encourage people to play rugby if we don't want to play ourselves? And this is what I don't get about all the other podcasters who claim that they love the game but don't actually play. Like, you know, how can you claim to love the game and encourage it if you don't actually play? So it is a bit. Uh, well, I don't, I don't actually play anymore, really. Yeah, you coach. For the, the odd vets team. Yeah, no, coach. that is not. That, that you're very much involved. Very much involved. Um, yeah. So, you know, the old solutions I'd give for everything, which is like go play, go get involved, they just don't work because I don't want to be involved. Mm. Don't want to be involved with children's rules. <laughs> um. Uh, and. Uh, well, there's a lot of people talking about the netty uh, yellow card, and I think I covered that off by yeah, fine. saying that. The, uh, the, so thank you for your emails. I'm not ignoring it, but hopefully I covered it off and put. Generally speaking, we're not going to answer emails across. about yellow cards, are we? So <laughs> no, no, no. When there's a talking point, I just think it's because I already covered it off. I just want to be fair to the people that emailed. So yeah. thank you very much. Well, I do want to actually make a point on the emails. We're going to answer ones which are novel to your club. Um, on the Leinster game, the. Were that game played in France, the who was it? It was Jimmy O'Brien trying the corner. Yeah, one hundred percent would have stood because they never would have found that final angle, which proves that he dropped the ball three inches from the line. Well, the, the Irish director, it was it took I ages to find. We it got took that final so angle. long to get the angle, didn't it? Yeah, I can believe we actually got that angle. Yeah. Um, fair play to the Irish director. Yeah, um, and John Owen is a, a listener from 
Houston, Texas. And it's been a long time Cats. listening since 2017. Yeah. And he, he, he just wanted to send, uh, he said, I just want to send you guys a message to say that given JB's recent disillusionment with the game, um, for reasons which I agree with him on, uh, uh, I think if he checked out an MLR game at some point, he'd enjoy it for the following reasons. As far as I've seen, there's no um, campaigns. The focus is on athletes and rugby. No obsession <clears throat> over highlighting head injuries and amplifying slogans like make rugby safe. The MLR sponsors target the audience rugby should be targeting. Um uh, unashamedly, i.e. largely males with active lifestyles. Mm. For example, RTIC Outdoors, an outdoor appliance apparel company oh, whose, yes. ad, whose ad reads, R- RTIC Outdoors, built tough like a, like a rugby player. Makes sense, doesn't it? How does that not make sense? <laughs> I mean, it does kind of make it sense. It makes sense, doesn't it? Um, although I'm sure it sounds cringy to some, you guys get the point. Other sponsors yeah. include protein powder, nutrition, supplement companies. Good, good. The league Things fre- I want to buy. The league frequently rec- releases big hit highlights and tries to promote the, the gladiatorial components of rugby. Um, overall, MLR, although going through its struggles in its nascent years, which most almost every pro sports league does, uh, continues to grow as a promising rugby competition that highlights the game's components that are actually attractive to the general populace in what should be a large commercial TV market yeah. for rugby mm. here in the US. I'm loving that, loving all of that. So there you go. So I'm trying to come. I'm trying to give. You <laughs> I can't play MLR, mate. <laughs> well, in about in about. Um, I probably could actually. In, yeah, in ten have a couple yeah. of good years, and also in ten days' time. You, you can go to America again. Oh, why is the vaccine stuff gone? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so let's let's go and let's go and check out Houston Sabercats. Yeah, well, look, winning again. <laughs> so <that's> a, <laughs> more wins. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Uh, <laughs> Eleven days time. I wonder. What, okay, it's good. Funny because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, right there, we go. Done on the emails for now oh other than uh, I've got a, I've got an email uh, we've got a quiz for next weekend so uh, so we've got some games next weekend to talk about yeah it's final round uh, round 24 of the premiership which has absolutely nothing riding on it uh, oh yeah except for 8th place yeah. it's all done isn't it? it's all done yeah. uh. so the, the choice of which games to pick for BT Sport was really tough for this one because what would you do what would you do uh, would you focus on the semi-finalists in their games against teams which have nothing to play for or would you focus on the battle for eighth place mm. what would so you, if you were programming a tv station probably uh, the semi-finalists because it, you you can weave some stories for next week about who's or i think that's what i might have done in fairness they've gone for the the battle between Bath, Gloucester, uh, Bath, Gloucester, Bristol for eighth place. I think I would have done that. Yeah, because yeah. you don't know what you're going to see from the semi-finalist teams. You'll probably see kids. Yeah, it's fair. Actually. That's like Gloucester and Bristol are playing each other. Gloucester and Bristol are playing each other. That's a bit of a shootout. And oh no, no, Bath if they win, get it, don't they? Uh, Amazing. I think so. Right, or Bath in seventh. The table I've got right now is Bristol are in eighth, Bath are in ninth, Gloucester are in tenth. So it's in ah. Bristol's hands. If Bristol get a five-point win. Uh, and maintain they've got an eight uh, an eight point difference advantage over Bath and all three teams have won seven games as well so okay yeah alright it's, it's in Bristol's hands so Bristol Gloucester you, you can create a story and those are rugby fanatical areas so they'll watch yeah yeah who do Saracens Leicester Sale and so Saracens travel to Bath 
So it's, it's oh, okay. So you get to see Saracens. Yeah, we get to see Saracens. Tigers host Quinns, which ordinarily would be a good game. That'd but be a great game. Quinns, everyone will be on the beach. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Smith won't want to get injured before. Yeah. Um, well, beach and World Cup prep. Yeah. Um, London Irish host Exeter. Oh, so that, that is just that, a, that should have been a massive game. Yeah. Just a totally, totally dead. They, um, whoever wins that gets fifth place. Ooh, wow. Do you know what they need to follow? They need to follow our fantasy rugby draft final. Oh, no, no. The, fi- the final game of fantasy rugby draft ever, because it's not, doing, I, it's not it, doing premiership anymore. Uh, am I in the final? No. <laughs> Unfortunately not, JB. I am, though. Is it uh, well Owen Poole in the final? No. Oh, He, he no, got pipped. Poor it's uh, Kirk. Oh, oh wow. good lad. How many active teams are there left? In his debut season. Well, two, because it's the final. <laughs> yeah. Two, it's the final. His debut... And first and last oh, season. Now no, I need to. Look. Oh, so, oh, so I've got Andre Pollard. He might not play. I, I've got Joe Marchant. He might not play. These clubs can get rested. Oh, mm. I've got Tomo Flatty. He might not play. No. Mm. I've got Alex Dombrant. He might not play. I've got Chris Chunza. He just played, so he might not play. This is a disaster. It is, isn't it? <laughs> you screwed, mate. Oh well. Kirk's a smart operator as well. As well. Yeah. Oh, good luck, Kirk. I uh, go. I um. I follow my rugby draft like I drink my white wines with the ABC motto, anything but Chardonnay and anything but Cocker. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I know. It hurts it hurt so much how smug I was that year I did with. <laughs> and bought yourself a ring. <laughs> Super Bowl ring. <laughs> Why not? Uh, it's all so over. I don't know who's going to Can we try and approach rugby draft to try and buy it off him again? No. I... I showed someone Rugby Draft who does coding and as a developer he's like I, I can't work with this I, can't, I, can't, I just can't work with it well, apparently it'd cost you a fortune to build it up you'd be better building it from the ground up yeah you would and then you got to and the thing is you've got to buy the data as well I the think. Um, Opta data yeah I don't fancy that so we can just and also can't we just well, pay, some, pay, pay, some, pay some kids to, yeah. to do it cheap so Premiership Rugby is back on ESPN they had a period of time, so they don't do... Oh, really? Yeah, the stat, stat stuff. Um, they don't do Champions Cup, for example. Do you know, like... They do <sighs> international and premiership rugby. Premiership rugby and... are such idiots, right? So, back in the day, um, the NFL decided that it was going to film all of its games, which was, like, really novel. I've Have just you... been listening to yeah. the Acquired podcast on the NFL. And I'm listening to this, and I like, recommend... This po- is not NFL hard. What, what's, what podcast is it? Acquired. Brilliant podcast, yeah. Which is... So it's business, and they go deep into individual, normally tech and or media companies. Acquired, as in ACQ. Yeah, okay. It is. Yeah, it's fascinating, right? So... It's Ed Sable, wasn't it? The head of NFL films, yada yada. yada. All right. So anyway, they've just uh, they had a whole they had a whole department in house, and as they described it, it's kind of like do what you want, just don't lose us money. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. break even. As break long as even. You, as long as you're not costing us anything, do whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, so this would be so easy for someone in the in the Premiership to do. So easy, but alas, they're stupid. Um, their communications, well, it, hopefully it will have changed now. There's been a turnaround, turnaround in personnel. But there's just so many. You just look at what they've done for the last God knows how long, and they just don't get it. Like, they're now trying to build a show to sell to Netflix or um, Amazon Prime or somewhere. Or I don't know where, if they've even sold it yet. Wherever. But I'm not even sure that's going to work because the novelty of the F1 Drive to Survive is it was the first one. 
There's loads of them now. Have you seen the Man City one? Have you seen the, the tennis one? I've seen the t- tennis one. I've seen the All Blacks one, and I watched the Tottenham one just because I found it entertaining watching everything. Yeah. Fall oh, apart. that's the one thing I forgot. I need to get. I still need to get that. There's uh, a cricket one. I still need to get those lumberjack shirts. Uh, from oh, the New Zealand one. From the oh yeah, they're cool. They're really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not interested in buying a fantasy rugby draft website type thing and then all of rugby shutting down in five years' time. <laughs> I think we what need, a five years it'd yeah, be though. We need to pivot this podcast to talking only about the French top fourteen because that is the only game in town. It might be. It is the only game in town. Everything else is a waste of time now. The mm. the future is the top fourteen. Um, um, URC is more interesting as well. well so, I mean, so, you, it's URC playoffs this week. Yeah, so I was going to say, where are the it's top fourteen playoffs at some point soon, isn't yeah. it? So oh, no, they start they start August uh, finals until June. Yeah. So I, I want to think about something, boys. <laughs> it's, oh, it's yeah, normally, August, there's, yeah. there's normally a two week break yeah. in, in between the last match of the season and the first match of the top fourteen season. So yeah. I just want you to think 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 about something. Um. We know about the Premiership CVC deal, so I don't want to go over that, but it means that they're missing a third of their income. CVC has a similar deal with the URC, right? The URC also has a relationship with these absolute grifters at uh, Grift Nation, um, otherwise known as Rock Nation. Mm. On top of that, do you know how much it costs Super League, Rugby League, okay, to send a Rugby League team to Catalans once a year? Oh, once per year per team. Yeah. So they're sending... Whatever it is, eleven teams mm-hmm. to Catalan. Oh, for that one trip, two hundred grand. Well, is is this per club? Is this per in club? Total? Just, just, just like just, just, just one club. club oh no, it wouldn't club. be that much. I go. Uh, so because you have about fifty people, or yeah. four, forty people. Let's just do fifty. Let's say so. Three two hundred pound flights for fifty people. Yeah, I so, so that would be uh, ten grand. 10 grand. Um, hotel, plus the same hotel rooms. For you're probably going to go. It's probably f- about another ten grand. Yeah, you're probably talking include food, and transfers, all the rest. Seventy of it. grand, fifty k. It's about hundred k. There's a hundred k to take your team to teams Castle and your Super League team. So the URC, I've got a similar deal to the Premiership. Oh, oh, hold on, before you, before you go further, the, the only relevant part is how much more it costs than going to another team in the, already in the league. Yeah, but that's that's like two uh, buses, isn't that's it? That's like from Witness to St. Witness, Helens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're talking ten like, quid in a taxi. Yeah, you can drive yourself there. <laughs> well, all, yeah, all the players you pay their fuel bills. Yeah, they probably claim uh, forty-five, 45, 45 pm. There you go. They pay you six quid, lads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't even be that. <laughs> For many of these, you go into Hull, right? It's going to be like twenty quid a player. Yeah, you go into Wigan, Saints, Warrington, Witness, Lee, Salford. Like, you're talking less than a tenner per flyer. <laughs> yeah, half of those clubs in Super League are profitable. People don't realise that. That's are amazing, they? yeah. Half the Super League clubs are profitable. Is that, they spend so little, though, don't they? Yeah. Do you know one person, the, the chief executive of uh, Australian rugby, I forget the chap's name now, he's stepped down. Yes, he has, hasn't he? Why? But, but uh, I don't know why. I don't know if there's a story there, but he oversaw a significant deficit into a profit. Mm. He stepped down as, uh, in terms of fiscally, a very successful chief exec. Mm. So RFU, have a look. Yeah, maybe. Well, we can't do worse than the current one. Um, yeah. So just think about the URC. How much it's spending to fly these teams everywhere? Because it must cost an absolute it, fortune. Heineken, will, Heineken Cup as well. Yep. Yeah. So that will be an absolute fortune. Like the URC, how can it last? The 
I guess the EURC has the advantage, the, the on-paper advantage of as soon as you start shipping people to South Africa, you tap into a 55 million people market. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Catalans, I know France is a 60-something million population, but Catalans, they're not selling Super League to 60 million people. You're selling it to a tiny corner mm. of southern France and, and north east. Well, I mean, Italy's Spain, a big market Spain. in its own right. But yeah. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. Just some food for thought there. Whereas France, top 14. That's the only game. The only game in town, and they, they're not even allowed to fly um, their boys to opposition. No, they're not, are they? If it's less than two, is it, is it two hours, less than a two-hour flight. They got some crazy e- eco ban on flights. Yeah, but I heard this, and then I was looking at World Cup planning, and they, you can fly internally all over the shop. Yeah, because if it's over two hours, oh, but then the trains are really good. Yeah, but that's for that. But yeah, rugby teams don't travel by train. They mm. should. That'd be cool. Um... Football teams travel by train. Oh, do they? I'm sure Liverpool have travelled by yeah, train recently. Some, sometimes they do, but only like specific routes, like Manchester to London or Liverpool to London. Yeah. Y- you might as well go by train. Because if you go into the airport... Imagine trying to shepherd Liverpool football team through Liverpool Station and then all the way through the London Underground. The security yeah, they won't, they won't do Underground. They'll be, on a, they'll be a on a bus. bus. Yeah. So they, get, they get to... The other Houston. station They get to Houston And then ushered onto a bus Yeah yeah There'll be a separate exit There must be Yeah, must be carnage they, Yeah they won't be doing the underground In their tracksuits <laughs> <laughs> Unless they take me like wigs and stuff <laughs> uh, Right okay so Yeah okay I think, I think we're done Yeah here. so games, the game's next weekend then Yeah uh, Well It doesn't matter Premi- The premiership I, I don't want to predict the premiership Because it's pointless Yeah yeah But look The URC So yeah. we've got Friday night um, which is 7.35 My beloved Ulster hosting Connacht All Irish affair Does it mean it? anything? This is quarterfinals Oh it does mean so something So it does mean something Yeah okay yeah. So come on Ulster uh, Then on Saturday Leinster, oh wait. Leinster host Sharks Yeah so Stormers Bulls So you've got an all South African um, in Cape Town Leinster host Sharks and Sharks, who will be preparing for this, will be ready and rested, whereas Leinster will probably have to rotate a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, if if they win, to win both tournaments, they've got to go quarter-final, semi-final, Champions Cup final, URC final. It's tough. Yeah, it's really tough, which makes when Exeter did it so impressive and, and Saracens when they did it yeah. Yeah. so impressive. Um, so Leinster Sharks... And Glasgow hosting Munster. Glasgow fresh off um, a travel to Scarlets for the uh, quarterfinal, sorry, semi-finals of the Challenge Cup. And that's it, isn't it? Those are the those are the four. Quarters. A couple of fixtures to look out for in round twenty-four of the top fourteen. Mm. Uh, massive game. Racing ninety-two play Bayonne. Currently, Leon are in sixth place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have got um, Bordeaux. Fourth, 58 points. The top six get through to the playoffs. Bordeaux, fourth, 58 points. Toulon, fifth, 57 points. Leon, sixth, 56 points. Racing, seventh, 56 points. Mm. Bayon, eighth, 54 points. Mm. So, And there's three games to go in that, isn't there? Three rounds to go. Uh, so, yeah, that game in particular is massive. Racing against Bayon. Um, Toulon are at home to La Rochelle. So... It looks uh, like and Leon are at home to Perpignan, so you'd imagine Leon are going to get a win. Um, yeah, Bayon could be knocked out, and if if Leon, Racing, and Toulon all win, it is 
down to the wire. Mm. It's getting quite exciting. We should keep an eye on the top we 14. We should definitely keep an eye on the top top 14. It's also interesting that Ooh. Toulouse and La Rochelle, the two uh, well, yep. semi-finalists for the, the, cha- the Champions Cup, they uh, are they six and seven points clear right. at the top of the table. Next weekend, the top 14 round 25 match is between Racing 92 and Toulon, five past 8pm on Saturday evening. Awesome. Which oh. could be a shootout for a playoff spot. Awesome. So, just a quick question. Racing v Toulon, five past eight next Saturday. Are you fancy around for yeah. a couple of beers and watch is, watch that? Is there anywhere to, I watch? No to that? Where can we watch? Is it on Premier Sport? Do you still have Premier Sport subscription? I believe I do. This could, <laughs> this could be the one. <laughs> this could be the one game. The hundred and forty pound a year game. Here we go, boys. <laughs> Strap in, shall we? Yeah, I'd do that. Yeah, 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 I'll be up for that. Definitely. All yeah. right. Um, say, oh, that's a great, that's, that's a I great love time. the 8 o'clock kickoffs as that's well. That's if I'm not working on a boat. No, I'll be fine. I don't need to work. work on a boat all day. Come back for that. Yeah, fine. We'll have a few. Can I have a key to your place if you are working on the yeah, boat? Yes, so come and watch. Come and watch <laughs> top 14. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to check if I do get, uh, have my subscription, but I've got to spend this podcast cash on, on, on Sunday. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there we go. I think uh, there we've done the rugby. Um, thank you for your support. Patreon.com slash eggchasers to fund. Hey, if, if, yeah, if you want to hear about the top 14. <laughs> Help do, fund it. Do you want to talk about my um, Twitter departure on Patreon? On Patreon. Oh, that'd be spicy. Let's, let's do it. Let's do that. Patreon.com slash egg chasers. Want to know what it takes to make a million bucks? Check out My First Million. Every week we dive into different business opportunities and explain how to pounce on them. From one-man online operations to brick-and-mortar strategies, we cover it all. So whether it's your first million followers or dollars, start getting inspired with My First Million wherever you get your podcasts.